Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found on our app available for both Apple and Android phones. Search Grace Church 417 in your app store and follow along. And now for our message. Well, we're starting a new series this morning we're calling Christmas by Candlelight, and that'll make more sense here in a moment. But as Jack said, this is, a, this is an Advent series, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with this phraseology, but there's such thing as, as high church and low church. Did you know this? I went to uh, low churches growing up, so we didn't talk about things like Advent or use words like Eucharist. We just, we just went to church and, at Christmas time and took communion. You know, That's just what we did. We used the regular words, but I really have become a fan of this idea of having Advent uh, seasons where we focus on the coming of the Lord Jesus. That's all that Advent means. It means a coming into place, a coming into view, an arrival. This is the celebration series of Jesus's arrival into time and space as a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to focus um, our time on the arrival of Jesus. And in specific, we're going to be I'm going to be tying what I'm sharing with you to the Advent candles. So that's another high church thing. We didn't do that growing up. As a matter of fact, I've been a pastor for oof, a long time now, 25 years or so. I've never at Christmas time ever done Advent candles. So this is all a brand new thing for us, uh, for me. But I, I really like it. I like how it focuses our hearts. And so we're going to be doing each of the four weeks of Advent, the four candles. They are hope, that's this week, followed by peace and joy and love. So we'll be doing one of those each week. You'll have a, nif- a different family coming up and, and sharing. And Nora did a fantastic job this morning reading. That girl can read. I'm t- serious. She did a great job and have Kyle pray. So we will do that each week. We'll have a different family from the church doing our Advent readings and our Advent prayer. We live in the, uh, we live in the space in between the two Advents of Jesus. So Jesus comes a couple thousand years ago as a defenseless child, as this little baby, interestingly, brought uh, to life or brought to um, time and space, as I said, through Mary to be cared for by the very people that he came to save. He came as this defenseless child, as this innocent, pure baby. He will come again at some point in the future that hasn't happened yet. We look back a couple thousand years at his first advent, but we look forward to his second coming. And when he comes a second time, he comes differently, right? He doesn't come as a baby. He comes as a, as a warrior. He comes as a man on a, on a white horse. He comes with victory. He comes to, with justice. He comes to right every wrong. Are you looking forward to him righting every wrong? The great thing is about when, you, when, you, when you're engaged with the first advent and you understand who he is and what he came to accomplish on the cross and through his resurrection, when you surrender your life to the Jesus that comes the first time, when the second coming of Jesus takes place, it's a, it's a day of celebration, not a, de- a day of fear or dread. We look forward to that day, amen? So we're in the in-between space, looking back at what his first coming was and looking ahead to his second coming. And during our worship times each week, we're going to be focusing on, as I said, the different Advent candles. But the, the candles are great because they're pretty and, and they have a meaning that is larger than just this moment. But I, they're also a symbol for us. And I want you to think for just a moment. If we lived in a time before uh, electric light, so whatever, I don't know, I should have looked it up, 130 years ago, whatever. If we lived in a time when there was not the incandescent light bulb and electricity so that we could stay awake 24-7, 365, which people can do. If you never want to sleep, you can stay awake forever, right? Because there's always lights on. Back before electric light, everybody lived on the rhythm of the sun. 
Did you know that before electric light, people averaged an average of 11 hours of sleep a night? Did you know that? This is true. I mean, it's hard to stay awake in the dark. I mean, you can stay awake as long as you like, but if there's, no way to, if there's no way to keep the thing lit up, I mean, you fall asleep. People slept more before electric light. And if we lived in those times and we were um, lighting our homes by, let me grab this candle. We were lighting our homes by, um, by the way, this is just fraught with problems, isn't it? Me moving a, a, a candle on the platform in front of you all is just inviting disaster. If we, if we were using candles in our homes to light the, the inside of our, of our dwelling spaces, um, we, first of all, we'd have to get close to the candle to use it. And secondly, you have to move very slowly. Like, I can't take this candle and run to the other side. Of, I'm not going to try, but I couldn't run to the other side of this room, right? One of two things would happen. The candle would either extinguish or I would keep it alive, but I would have wax all over my hands from running with it, right? You cannot run with a lit candle. Would you turn to the person next to you and tell them that they, they cannot run with a lit candle? I believe the Lord wants us to take the next 28 days and experience Advent as if we were carrying a lit candle. Be slowed down, deliberate, careful, patient, moving slowly, leaning in to benefit, to be benefited by this, by this light in the darkness. I want us to slow down and I want us to savor the next 28 days instead of rushing. And if you're anything like me, every year about this time, I think this is going to be the year it's going to be different. I'm really going to take it easy. I'm not going to fill the calendar up. I'm going to put space aside, you know, to just make sure I really just connect with Jesus through the whole thing. And then sometime around the 23rd of December, I go, oh my goodness, how do we get here? Because I've been in like full tilt mode up until then. And I'm inviting you with me. This is probably more accountability for me than anything. Would you walk with me over the next 28 days slowly? And we savor Advent together. I mean, the, the Christmas celebrations of our world are like LED strobe light versions of Christmas, right? And that's out there. And if that's what you want, it's there for you. But it needs to be different with us because it's so much more than just a season of giving. It is a season of honoring the one who came to do what we could not do for ourselves. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we just pause right now. And we thank you, Lord. That, that you have invited us to slow down, to think about what you accomplished when you came and to think about the wonderful gift that you are to us in Jesus. Lord, we just pause. We, we take time to breathe deeply right now. We don't want to hurry. We don't want to, we don't want to have a, a, a Christmas full of imitations, Lord. We are after the authentic and we're after being with you and in your presence. And so, Lord, for these next four weeks, may we walk at the pace of one who is holding a candle. May we take time each day to reflect and to pray and to share and to just, just savor again this moment and this time. Lord Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us freshly through your word and by your spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first candle is hope. 
And hope is the, um, well, hope is all that the, the saints of old had. They were on the other side of the first advent. They were looking forward to this moment. And, and part, of our, um, part of us doing Christmas in a slower pace here at Grace this season will be that we're going to simplify. I'm going to simplify what we do even during our times of worship together. We're going to, to only look at a small portion of scripture for each of the weeks that we're together. As a matter of fact, we're only going to look at four verses in depth for the next four weeks. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's about time. It's always reading all this stuff. No, this is just a really small space for us to get simple and focused on a wonderful passage of Scripture, which happens to come out of the book of Galatians, which I understand is not your go-to Advent Scriptures. As a matter of fact, Galatians is a, is a is, the whole book is a rebuke. It's a rebuke because a bunch of people who were excited about Jesus decided we're going to add some of the Old Testament law in with the gospel of grace so that people who come to Jesus and who believe and have trusted him for their salvation also have to get elective surgery. That's what we're going to do. We're going to say they need to be circumcised as well as trusting Jesus. And they, this book is written by Paul to these people to say, wait a second, you're messing it up. It's not supposed to be that way. Being a follower of Jesus is all about trusting in him and receiving the grace that God has given us, not about doing anything. Isn't that a wonderful truth? And so Paul takes time to tell them that they're wrong. And right in the middle of this little letter, it's six chapters long, but right at the beginning of chapter four, there is the best chunk of Advent scripture. And I want to look at it with you this morning. As a matter of fact, we're going to read it together. This is out of, the, out of the New Living Translation for this series. We're going to be in NLT. It's verses 4 through 7 of chapter 4 of the book of Galatians. So would you just, again, with that same slowed down pace, would you read this with me? Can we do it together? Go. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. There it is. It's the entire month right there. This is such a rich passage of scripture. Um, we are going to take a verse of this four verses for each of the four weeks of Advent. So read verse four with me again. It's up on the screen. Can we do it? Listen loud. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. As I said earlier, the saints of old looked forward to the coming of Jesus. When, when Nora read that passage from Isaiah chapter um, 9 this morning, when she was reading that passage of Scripture, she was reading what Isaiah had written in anticipation of an event that would literally take place hundreds of years later. When she was saying that, that Jesus would come and to be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, all that, he was saying that well before that would ever take place. He was hoping for something that would come. 
The son who would be the savior wouldn't come for a long time, but Isaiah and all those who read his words were anticipating the hope of a Christ coming who would bring salvation to the world. He was looking forward. We have the blessing of living on the other side of that. We're able to look back and say, everything that Isaiah said about Jesus actually took place. It did happen. He came. Isaiah and the prophets of old, like Micah, they they, they had a hope in the future. We look back, we have a hope fulfilled. Paul says, when the right time came, say that out loud with me, when the right time came, God sent his son. The ESV says, when the fullness of time had come. I want you to to think this morning about this, that God is a God of entire and complete intentionality. He never does anything randomly or coincidentally. Everything that God touches, he touches with a purpose. Everything that he causes to take place is by his design. When the right time came, God sent his son. So when God sends Jesus to be born to Mary, when he sends her, when he sends him to her, it was at that specific moment that he wanted Jesus to be born. He picked Mary. Mary wasn't just some random girl. She was by design picked to bear the son of God. When he picked out Joseph, the man that would be his father, his earthly father, that was on purpose. When he placed uh, the, the baby Jesus inside of Mary and she bore him under uh, the occupation of Rome, living in a place like Nazareth, it was by design. When he was born in that specific place in Bethlehem, it was the fulfillment of prophecy. It was by design. Every one of those circumstances was on purpose. When the fullness of time had come, when the right time came, God sent Jesus. I want you to, to think about this with me this morning, that hope Hope comes from knowing that God is intentional in all his ways. That no matter how difficult or dark or challenging our lives are, no matter how bad things get, everything is being arranged by God, the God who loves us, for a purpose that we can't necessarily see. And that should give our hearts hope. You ever been in a really dark, dark place and you just don't understand what's happening? I am in that place well, every third day, I think. I talk to Susan about that. Or just don't, I'm just, I don't understand why, I can't, why is this going on like this? There is hope that comes to us when we step back and say, God's in control of this thing. Everything that's happening to me right now, because I am his, he is going to use for my blessing and benefit and the advancement of the kingdom if I will cooperate with him. Hope comes from knowing that God is extremely intentional. I can be excited and hopeful about the future because God has placed me right here and right now. Paul says, Jesus was born of a woman subject to the law. Now that might not seem very hopeful, but there's an awful lot of hope in those two statements. First of all, he was born as a man. When Jesus came, Jesus comes as the perfect, what Romans calls second Adam. And that's because the first Adam messed up things so badly. Jesus comes and restores us in a relationship with God and he literally breaks the curse off of our lives that was placed on us in Genesis chapter three. There's an awful lot of hope for our future when we understand that Jesus has undone the damage that was, um, that was perpetrated by our forefather, Adam. Hope comes from knowing that Jesus has succeeded where Adam failed, that he was born of a woman, that he was born as a man. Next, it's hopeful that Jesus came under the law because 
once mankind had fallen away from grace and God developed this system called the law that we were just talking about when ta- in regard to Galatians, when that system was developed, God says, here's the way that you get right with me. If you obey all of these rules, and I won't have time to even begin to scratch the surface of what God gave us. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules. If you want to be really encouraged about what it means to live in this side of grace and this side of Jesus dying on the cross, just read through Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers sometime. It's a light read. You can do it in 15 minutes before bed. So much stuff. I just read through Exodus again. I told you that a couple weeks ago. My goodness, I can't keep the, uh, the sacrifices straight and the days and everything. It's all of these rules. And part of the reason we're told in the New Testament that all of those rules are there is to show us that we could not do it on our own. And so when Jesus comes, he comes born of a woman, breaking off the curse of Adam, but he also comes to fulfill God's heart intention for the law. He perfectly fulfills all of the requirements of the law so that we no longer have to look to that as that's the way I get right with God. All I have to do is be in Jesus. And now, because he has fulfilled the law, I am pleasing in God's sight. Hope comes from knowing that Jesus fulfills God's law perfectly. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. That's hope. In Luke chapter 2, after Jesus is born in Bethlehem and after the shepherds, um, shepherds are visited by the angels, by the way, that is probably an LED strobe light, light show that takes place there for the shepherds. That Magnificent. They have this incredible angelic choir. All of that takes place. They go to see Jesus. Then they go away rejoicing because of everything that they'd experienced. It says in Luke chapter 2, eight days later, that Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple because they have to dedicate him. They have to fulfill the requirements of the law. And it says that while they are there, there's this man that shows up, and his name is Simeon. And raise your hand if you know about Simeon. Very good. Simeon is there, and Simeon somehow, some way, has been promised. I don't know how this happens, what the deal is here, but he's been promised that he won't die until he sees the Messiah. And so again, because we know God is a God of intentionality, Simeon just happens to be there on that specific day. He just happens to see this young couple with this little baby, and he comes up to them, and he is quickened by the Holy Spirit to know that this is the Messiah. And so literally, his entire life, we don't know how old Simeon is. I I wanted to find out. He's probably old, but we don't know how old he is. But however long it's been since he received that promise, months, years, maybe decades, his entire life has been one of holding out hope, looking for the Messiah. And on that specific day, he sees this little baby, he sees this couple, and he comes up to them. And he not only gets to see Jesus, God in flesh, Emmanuel, the text says he gets to hold the baby. Now just pause with me for a second. Think about that. Think about how cool that would be. This, this, this older gentleman, this mature man of years, is standing there in the middle of the temple looking into the face of God himself. And he's been waiting and waiting and waiting. He's potentially been waiting longer than Mary's been alive to be able to see the Messiah. Hope fulfilled right there in his hands. And he begins to prophesy, he begins to say some amazing things about Jesus and his ministry. And he even says some things to Mary about what her life will be like. But the point that I want you to grab is that at just the right time, hope was fulfilled in Simeon's life. At just the right time, 
no matter how difficult it had been up to that point, everything washed away. It's like Jesus says, the the pain of the childbirth is forgotten when the baby comes. The waiting was over when Simeon finally got to hold this little Christ child. This is a season of hope. And no matter how bad or how bad things look, no matter how bad things look, no matter how difficult things are, no matter how you are struggling or, or challenges that you're facing or, or needs for breakthrough that are in your life, no matter what's going on, this is the season of hope for every single one of us because Jesus has come. At just the right time, Simeon got to hold him. At just the right time, Tim, laying in a bunk in South Carolina, got to meet him at just the right time you got to meet the lord this is a season of hope can i can i share just a little story with you before we pray together when i was uh nine and by the way turn to the person next to you and say this is not nearly as weird as it sounds (laughs) just want to make sure you know it's i'm not weird susan yeah but i'm not okay (laughs) i'm just kidding sorry just kidding sweetie i'll ask forgiveness for that later My mom, my sister, and I, talking about hope, talking about the season of hope. My mom, my sister, and I were outside of our house sitting on our deck. And I can remember it distinctly. We were sitting kind of like cross-legged on the deck, and we were praying together. Which, don't, I wasn't that spiritual of a family. But this particular time, we actually were praying together. And we were praying because my parents had split up and my mom desperately wanted to reconcile with my dad. Of course, we as kids, we wanted our dad to come back home. And so we were praying together. And my sister and I prayed probably thousands of times in that season of our lives. This was the, the extent of our prayer. God, please bring daddy home. So we're there in this circle praying together. And we were holding hands. Not that that was significant, but we were happened to be holding hands and we were praying. And I prayed my highly theological prayer God bring my daddy home my sister prayed something similar my mom prayed adult prayer and when we finished I said I I felt like someone stuck my like I stuck my finger in an electrical outlet I felt like a little I don't know jolt and my sister said she was younger so I don't even know if I believe this but my sister said I felt it too but then, so I was like, mm, whatever, copycat. But then my mom said, no, I, I felt something also. And I can remember that day, and, and at least two-thirds of us felt something, maybe three-thirds of us if we were all telling the truth. We felt God just kind of, I don't know, what is that called? Encouragement? Electricity? I don't know. It was like a little nudge. And we became convinced. I became convinced personally my dad was going to come home and be a part of our family. From that moment, it was like, you know, the, the prodigal son's father. Every moment, looking out. Every day. He didn't come back. For 20 years. But 20 years later, he did. 20 years later, he didn't come back so much to my mom. They never married again. But he reconciled with God. And he became a Christ follower. And this morning, in his church... In a rural part of Maryland, he's preaching at his little church. Little church. I'm not saying little in a bad way. It's out in the middle of the country. There's like cornfields on four sides of this place. So it's out in the middle of the sticks, but he's there preaching the gospel. The Lord answered that prayer. This is a season of hope. And I want to encourage you. Some of you have been hoping and hoping and hoping, and you're almost out of hope. You're just, 
You're done. You don't have any left. Your hope tank is empty. And I want us to pray this morning that as we think about Simeon finally receiving what he had hoped for, and we think about Tim and his sister and his mom praying, and finally, 20 years later, two decades later, his dad coming back to faith in Christ or to faith in Christ, I want that to encourage us as we pray for people on this board, as we pray for people in our lives, as we pray that God would restore even the hope inside of us to trust him for something wonderful and glorious. Because if God can come as a baby and live a perfect life and die on a cross so that we might have access to a relationship with God, if he can do that miracle, then he can do the miracle that you need him to do. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? Father, in Jesus' name, we come this morning. And I, I in my spirit, I, I sense that some of us are just very tired. And uh, Lord, I didn't use the word, but some of us just feel hopeless in the circumstances that we find ourselves. Maybe it's a relationship or a financial situation or it's a sense of hopelessness about someone that we desperately, desperately want to see come to meet you. And yet they still are not. They still have not trusted you. And so, Lord, this morning, my prayer simply is, is that as we, as we revel in this season, as we, as we savor the master who came as a baby and the fulfillment of hope of the prophets, as we, as we look about in, in, our word, in the word and we look at people like Simeon and we say, he got finally what he had hoped for. Lord, I pray that you would renew and restore the hope of people that are in this room who are worn out and tired. Lord, that you would cause hope to spring again inside of us. Lord, I ask that, that the people that we have been praying for, that we have been wanting to see come to you and we are just so tired of praying the same prayers. Lord, would you cause that same kind of electrical current, you know, to go through us and we'd say, no, God heard my prayer. I'm gonna keep asking. I'm gonna keep believing. I'm gonna keep trusting. The answer could be just around the corner. I don't wanna stop now. Lord, may we be built up. Give us fresh hope this morning to trust you for, for all of the things that are on our hearts, Lord. Thank you that your hope is like a candle burning in the darkness, lighting up our hearts and our lives and giving us a reason to keep moving forward. And Father, also, if there's anyone here at Grace this morning, just happened to be here and has never trusted you, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that even right now they would say, Lord, I surrender to you. Be my savior. Be the Lord of all. I give you my life. I want to follow you. Forgive my sins and make me new. Lord, I pray that they would, they, would, they would have that moment with you where they come and they yield their lives totally to you. Lord, may we be a great family for them to help them on their journey with you. We pray this also in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Three quick things. Number one, if you happen to be here this morning and you don't know Christ and you, you're feeling that stirring and you praying the prayer along with me, please come forward. There'll be an elder up front. We have a gift for you. We want to give you a Bible, help you start your walk with Jesus. It's 
the right time. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. It's always the right time. It's always today. So please do that. After service, there'll be someone up front that will help you and talk with you and pray with you and welcome you into the family of God. Second thing, just like last week when we had our Thanksgiving journals, when you leave this morning, there will be hope journals. You figured that out, right? So if you, if you enjoyed doing that, kind of slowing yourself down, making yourself be grateful last week, you can slow yourself down and, and focus on hope for the next six days as well. And then finally, would you extend your hands in front of you because I want to bless you in the name of the Lord before you go. Grace Church family, in this Advent season, may your hearts be filled with hope and peace and joy and love. And may you have the boldness and the confidence to approach God through faith in Jesus in accordance with the eternal purpose which God the Father carried out in Jesus our Lord. I speak life and blessing over each of you. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, be sure to connect with us by visiting grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.